Welcome to Conversation 17, the conclusion of the Cooley account. It's not a long one, but I think it's the right button for the end of this story. What is the future for Chicago? An impossible question to answer, but is the city going to be able to ever shed this corrupt system the reason it continued, if I had destroyed the whole first ward, it would have had a chance to have cleaned up. It would, there would always be some corruption, but it could never be as bad as it was. Eddie Burke, who was the power structure that was left there, he was supposed to be indicted and he was not. And Eddie became the one that basically ran the whole city. He was the alderman. He was the one who took Rhodey's place. One of the ways that they could clean up Chicago, but they won't do it. City of Chicago has corporation counsel's office that's supposed to have the lawyers that will do all the work for the city. They have two or three hundred, I think at least, that are on the payroll and are supposed to be handling all the city work. One of the ways that protected Pat and those people before I got involved with them was they were giving millions of dollars of city work to these major law firms, you know, by the corporation counsel's office. Let's go back to the city of Chicago and how it's run. There's always going to be a level of corruption. Why was it corrupted? Do you think it has anything to do with the shape of the governance, meaning this aldermanic governing where you break up the city into essentially what's puzzle pieces if you look at the map and there's little mayors in each of these little fiefdoms? Is that part of the problem or is it not relevant? You could overhaul the whole system and there's still going to be degrees of corruption. There will always, there will always be corruption and corrupt people. The difference was at that time, over a period of time, what they had done, once they had infiltrated the first war democratic organization, once they had infiltrated that, it started, as I said, with Capone. Capone was the one who obviously put somebody in there. The moment they were able over a period of time, and, and they were able to do two reasons, because the fear of the mob, you know, a number of those judges, when I first got involved with them, were terrified not to do what they were told by, by, uh, by the first ward because of what might happen to them or their families. You know, Judge Seeslick, you know, that's all documented. When the FBI agent went to see him and, and he told him he was in fear of not doing what he was told by Eddie Burke. When Eddie would, and Eddie would say to him, the first ward wants it. When they were able to take over the entire political system, they're the ones who put everybody in, in place all the way up to the governor. That hopefully will never happen again. The way the city is run, the city is run by the city council. And to keep things straight, the mayor is supposed to be separated, you know, from that. And the city council, in other words, the mayor can get some things done, you know, with using his influence. He has to have certain aldermen that will vote his way. What had happened in Chicago, they called Fred Rohde the dean of the city, you know, the dean of the city council. Over at Councilor's Roy, all these other aldermen would be coming in there every day to meet with him to get their orders and instructions. When Johnny took me down to Springfield and introduced me as his, as his law partner, all these people were coming in there paying homage. How's your dad, Johnny? How's your dad? Because the majority of them, you know, they knew that they basically ran everything, Neil. What they wanted from the city was a number of things. They had hundreds, hundreds of people with do-nothing jobs in all these different departments. The head of every single department would be over there at Counselor's Row because they were there because they were put in there by these people. You're talking and about you're talking about ghost payrollers. Yes, they had hundreds of them. I told you 
in the different police departments around the, in, not just in Chicago, you know, but I'm talking about in the suburbs, in the sheriff's department. A whole number of these people never went to work. It was a it was a monstrous organization where they controlled everything in terms of not just giving out the jobs. They had meetings there once or twice a week with just about every major contract that was given out. And I was there when they were meeting with these people, and I became friends with some of them. I was able to help one friend of mine, you know, get some of these contracts. In the way I told you before they would do it, it was beautiful. I mean, these guys, you have to give them credit for being ingenious with a lot of their plans. It was, these were supposed to be sealed, sealed, you know, kind of sealed bids. The one who was supposed to be, the guys up there that are supposed to be doing all that, they're opening up the bids and they're, they, they would look through it with the envelope and they would know what the bids were from the legitimate people bidding. And they have meetings there all the time. They're going to discuss which construction company will get it. This time, they're going to, you're going to get it, but you're going to hire this person and that person and that company and give them a little piece over here. And what's going to happen is they're told what the lowest bid was. And so they would bid just below that bid. And, and every single contract would have a cause in there, you know, but for unforeseen circumstances. Now, the people, you know, they have control of all the people there in the city, uh, you know, through Eddie Burke and, and through the rest of them. So now what they would do is after they bid and they get the contract, and we're talking million dollar, you know, these are multi-million dollar contracts. A week or two later, gee, it rained an extra day. Or I mean, come up with bullshit reasons and they give them an extra two, three hundred thousand dollars. But it, it was a business. They had everything locked up. There's no longer a mob. There's just a few mobsters here and there, but there's no organization anymore in Chicago. And that you have different different mobsters. They might have a couple of people with them or whatever, and that will never change. You'll always, but they'll never be able to obtain the control and the power. And like I said, that's why you don't read about you don't read about any mob killings anymore in Chicago. So that concludes the Cooley account. I want to thank everybody that took the time to listen all the way to this conclusion. My goal is always to find great stories to tell as filmed entertainment. And I feel that Bob's story would be a rich, dramatic, and intriguing series. Certainly the way things are going today with television streaming, it's an ideal place for Bob's story. A few production notes. I'd mentioned before episode one that these conversations had started in the spring and went through the early summer of 2022. I didn't start editing them until the fall of 2022. And I am concluding them here in March of 2023. I think the sum total of conversations was somewhere north of 50 hours. So it was a challenge creatively to cut it down to these 17 conversations. But I finish with a few thoughts and conclusions. One is almost the unbelievable nature of Bob Cooley's journey. There were very few things, really nothing I could punch holes in and talking to people that knew him, whether it be people in law enforcement, people in federal law enforcement, judges, lawyers, friends, almost everything is verifiable. Also, I'm forced to look at Chicago in a different way. I wish I was optimistic in terms of 
city governance and governance in general, but I'm less so than ever. But you're left with the question, is Chicago better off then or now? Of course, no one thinks corruption is a good thing, but is chaos a good thing? And are we living in chaos now? And one last note, I hope to get a series of outtakes pieced together in the coming months. There were a lot of really great stories that didn't make it into these conversations that were dead ends or just interesting nuances that I felt drifted a little too far off story. But I do promise to piece them together and push them out. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Always want to hear comments, suggestions, specifically like to hear the negative stuff. And uh, hopefully we can bring you news about a TV show in the not-too-distant future. Speak soon. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye.